success, it has been said, is not the absence of failure, but going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. This podcast was created to discuss the correlation between short-term failures and future success by those who have pushed themselves to become real powerhouses. Michael Jordan said, to learn to succeed, you must first learn to fail. And Mike Tyson said, discipline is doing what you hate to do, but nonetheless doing it like you love it. On this podcast, we celebrate those who were not afraid to fail by taking disciplined action on their path to success. My name is BJ Gramillion, and I am the host of the Real Powerhouse Podcast. I am someone who is very familiar with failure and am fascinated by others' imperfect journey to success. Welcome to the Real Powerhouse Podcast. Welcome to the Real Powerhouse Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Gramillion, and today I have my good buddy, Matt Hayes, with us. And Matt is in St. Louis, and uh, he has been actively investing for how many years now? It's been 20 long years. Seriously? See, it's rare that I find someone that's uh, that, that's got more years in it uh, than you know. And the thing is, like, all my eight years, they were not as strong as we are now, right? Yeah. When yeah. you first start, you know, I think everyone kind of infamously, well, maybe if you start now, it's different. But when we started, when you and I started, we didn't have this. We didn't have, we barely had internet. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, the iPhone hasn't. You're dating us. The, the iPhone didn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, or maybe it did, and I just wasn't sure about it. We had Blackberries, you know. Right. I mean? Yeah, that was the thing. Blackberries. Yeah. Social media. So we, I picked up that purple book uh, by the infamous legend Robert Kiyosaki, man, and I was instantly hooked. I was always drawn to business and entrepreneurship. Started my first company when I was seven years old, and I've had probably two hundred since then. Holy smokes. Something that's, that's really cool with Matt. So Matt's another buddy of mine from uh, CG Collective Genius. So we're part of that mastermind group. And um, he's been it longer than I have as well. Um, but something that, that uh, I guess drew me to Matt recently was in the last year, obviously, if uh, anyone's been living under a rock in real estate, uh, we had kind of a tumultuous 18-month period. Um, and so I think that some of us got hit pretty hard, some more than others. And uh, so Matt's got a pretty cool story of how he, you know, was able to to adapt, you know, and pivot from there. And I think that's, you know, anytime I guess misery does love company. Right. And so yeah. I can find others that are maybe struggling like, hey, I don't got it so bad, you know, like, hey, this no. guy, you know, maybe uh, has it worse off than I do or, or whatever. But, you know, we're all kind of figuring things out right in business. And so that was something that that. Uh, you know, attracted me to you at, at that time when we were kind of going through all the chaos. But maybe before we, we dive into all that, we'd love to kind of hear just some background and uh, maybe fill us in on like your family and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. Um, so my wife and I have known each other longer than we haven't. Um, yeah. So we're, we're coming up on 20 years uh, of being together, 18 years in marriage. We've got uh, four kids. Uh, one we sent off to college this year, um, two more in high school, one in middle school. And um, actually, it's two in middle school, but they both go to the same same school at seven through through 12. Oh, okay. Um, but, but yeah, man, so so my, my journey is, you know, I, I don't think anybody's journey is exactly the same. Like, I've always had this burning desire, this ambition in my chest 
this weight on my shoulders that I was destined to do more. And no matter how much I achieve or, or whatnot, and I really just do think that I'm, I have uh, probably one in a very few people, maybe one in 10 million, the kind of drive that I just love working. <laughs> um, I get up early um, and I just, I get to it. I just don't stop, whether it's working on my family, working on my marriage, working in business, working on real estate. It just doesn't matter. I don't, I do enjoy myself because that's my hobby. I'm one of those rare people that work is my hobby. And I am, um, I have no problem uh, suiting up and talking with the CEO of Coca-Cola or getting down in the trenches, uh, cleaning out a sewer uh, in some overalls, you know, with the, to the $18 an hour worker that they've got doing that work. So I, I'm different. I don't, I don't sit up on a pedestal. I just get to work, man. Um, I love hard work. People always say you got to work, you know, smart works better. I think that's a bunch of bullshit for pussies. I think that you just got to get out there and work your ass off. Yes, there are smart things you can do, um, but it starts with hard work. So, you know, if we got to put in, put in a fence one day, we're going to do it. Um, if I got to, like I said, get all suited up and go sit down and have a board meeting with the bank or whatever, then we got to go do that. I mean, just whatever it takes to get the job done. And, and yeah, so, you know, that, that's my journey's, you know, started um, when I was seven years, seven or eight years old. I started my first company. Um, I stole sweet corn from my neighbor. I lived in a, a subdivision, but they built it around a farm. And there were every year this, this corn came up out of the ground. So I'm like, well, people eat sweet corn. My mom always buys it. So I went, grabbed my wagon, my little Red Rider wagon. I know for those uh, millennials, they don't know what that is. Um, and I had the cool one, man. I had sides that came up so I could load oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So I went over, I took the sweet corn from the farmer, um, and then I went door to door and I sold it. I was selling like five, six, seven, I don't remember what the number was, bush or, you know, piece of sweet corn for a dollar. <laughs> and you know, I made like 25 bucks at like seven, eight years old. It, and, you know, to that's put a lot. in perspective now, that's like $200. Yeah. So then I find out it wasn't sweet corn. It mm. was feed corn. Um, so it was like hard as a rock. And um, anyways, you learn real quick about quality control. So <laughs> yeah, then I moved on to other businesses and, and everything like that. Um, Did he ever catch you? Oh, yeah. I had to give everybody their money back, man. <laughs> I was just, you know, it was literally one one neighbor came out of the house as they saw me walking back. Like, whoa, whoa this isn't sweet corn. And I'm like. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's corn it's from the neighbor. She's then I pointed and she was like, Oh, that's field corn. That is so um, funny. Cause she's an adult and you know, obviously she knew better, but yeah. you know, and then uh, got a job at, you know, did other things. I was always detailing cars or boats or mm -hmm. uh, fixing things, selling things, whatever I could do. Um, you know, I was, I was young and dumb at the time. So when I was, I got to about 12 years old and I was, cutting like half the neighborhood's grass, doing all these different things. And I would never say no. So if my, my rate was 20 bucks and they said, no, I'd be like, okay, how about 15? They'd say no again. I'd be like, okay, how about 10? I, I would mow people's grass for $5. Um, and they're like, wow, this is weird. But yeah. I, and that's always stuck with me. So it's like, I was young. I didn't know any better. So I'm like, let's just get the money. That I remember was, one point in time when I was 14 years old, I had seven grand in cash in my bedroom. Whoa. And just sitting in your bedroom. 
just oh yeah, this uh, all the money I had earned, man. And then my parents found out, and they're like, "We got you got to put this in the bank." And I'm like, "I'm not giving this money to anybody. I made it." So then you know they taught me about banking and yeah. and all these sorts of things. And then of course I turned 16, and I figured out girls and you know yeah. having fun and all that money went away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just the burning desire to work and. You know, I started in, involved in, in the family business. I started doing that. And then I was always doing real estate on the side. Yeah. What was the family business? So the family business was the food service industry. So on the okay. supply side, okay. so they would supply all the ingredients and everything to grocery stores and sea stores to make food and things of that nature. So mm. um, it was always a very profitable business for my parents. They still own it today. Um, mm. And I still have some responsibilities over there from time to time. But um, my passion, you know, I would say probably right around 21, 22, it was real estate. I was, you know, I picked up the book when I was 20 Yeah, and I didn't do my first deal until I was 22. So I was running numbers. I was making bank connections. I remember I put on a suit when I met with a realtor for, for the first time I did everything wrong that you could possibly think of. I failed so many times in this business. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have coaches and and no. seminars and meetups and mm -hmm. and all this stuff. I, I mean, some of the legends that first put on all the coaching and, and the meetups, like Cody Sperber was one of the first ones. Robert Kiyosaki was the first one. I signed up for for his big expensive program, and I I went through that, and I was probably one of the only people that were successful in that program. Because hmm. you give me a little bit of information, and I'm just going to tear it to pieces. And so yeah. – Maybe. Yeah, man, it's been an awesome journey, um, fixing and flipping and wholesaling. And, and now it's primarily the Airbnb business because the way we have pivoted mm -hmm. and our pivot's been interesting because like last 18 months to two years, it's been like a, a friggin' roller coaster, dude. I know. I know. And yeah, but before we get into that, I want to go over a couple of things that you went through in your story because uh, yeah, it, it's, it's so awesome to... To hear someone else cut from the same cloth, because I think, you know, sometimes there's that guilt. Uh, yeah, I used to feel guilty for a while when, when people would be like, so what's your hobby? What do you like to do? And I was like, honestly, like, I don't know what else there is besides work and family. Like, and that's honestly what I just enjoy doing. And it's just, a, wow. it's a hobby. It's everything to me. And I, I'm sure that that is unhealthy on many levels, but um, I, I don't, don't think so. I, I okay. I don't think it is, man. So, so remove the guilt there because when my son has a football game, I'm there. When my right. daughter has a right. dance competition, I'm there. Someone yeah. needs to be picked up at practice or taken to school or picked up, or my son's got a soccer game at 415. I'm there. I don't miss anything. Yeah. yeah. I will plan business meetings. My family comes first, period, because I don't yeah. give a shit what anybody else thinks. And there was a point of my time in my thirties, which wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I truly cared what a lot of people thought about <laughs> me and what I was doing. And maybe I was doing things and I made decisions based off of other people. But yeah, you get in this, you get halfway through life, right? Yeah. I'm on the downhill slope now. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. past 40. Mm -hmm. You really just don't give a shit anymore. It's like, no, man, this is the way I'm going to live my life. And I don't care what your opinion is of how me, you can own that opinion. Yeah. Whether you think I'm doing it right or you think I'm doing it wrong, because I really don't care. 
Like that is so funny. Again, I hit 40 this year and I, and I've been saying that all year. I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's a magical thing that happens, but you just stop caring, you know? And it really did take me to, to about 40 when I was like, man, why, why do I care? First of all, nobody really does care about you. Like as much as you think that they do, they care about themselves. Right. And, and they could care less. Like you don't even cross their mind for the most part, but we all think that we're more important than we are. Um, when in reality, everyone's got stuff going on. And so you're just not that important, first of all. So get that off. And then, yeah, the second thing is, you know what? Like, who cares what other people think? And so I love that you, you're you saying all the things I've been saying for a while. So we yeah. must be the same age. And, you know, it's just. Well, yeah, dude. And, and, and part of it is, too, because I was last couple of years, I was putting faith in a lot of people mm. um, that were involved in my company. And I realized that we were going through a, I'm going to use Conor McGregor's uh, quote here. Mm -hmm. He says that I will not feast with anyone that I, that would not starve with me. Mm. So if you're just here for the winnings and the victories and all that stuff, and you're not willing to starve with me, forget it. I don't want to feast with you. And so the past couple of years when our business went through and a lot of other, you know, real estate companies went through, we had to pivot fast. And those that didn't pivot fast don't exist anymore, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I put the, I put some faith in some people that, that I shouldn't have. And that'll never happen again. And I realized real quickly when things got bad, who was jumping ship and who was cutting bait um, and who was, you know, going out and doing their own thing, which is the same thing I was doing, even though they were under non-competes. And I don't want to get into all that kind of crap, but yeah. But it's been a very interesting 18 to 24 months for, for, for real estate, anybody in real estate, whether you're an agent, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I'm probably going to get some shit for this for my agent friends. My wife's an agent, so I can say this. I don't really think they're in real estate. I think that they're a service provider for real estate. Mm. Same thing like a title company and a mortgage company and a bank and all those sorts of things. They provide a service for the real estate and for the investors. You and I are in real estate. We own the property. We manage the property. And so anybody that's in this business that isn't getting creative to figure out how to make money, um, then they won't be in it very much longer. And, and I'm seeing that a lot, man, a lot all over the place. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, I love that quote. In fact, we're definitely going to share that clip with everyone with with Conor McGregor. It's the first time I've heard. You have to, dude, because I heard that and I'm like, holy shit, that's what I've been saying. That's it. It's like I'm sick and tired of. um, No, you're. I'm going on a vacation with my family, dude, because they've started with me. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think once you, when you're younger, you want your circle to just be huge, and you want to bring all these cool people in here and. And all this, dude, no, I got my circle tight. I mean, and another uh, quote from a friend of mine that nobody knows who she is, so I won't say her name or anything like that, just a really good family friend. And she's like, you laugh the loudest around the people that you trust the most. So if someone tells you a joke or something's funny, you're not going to give your true laugh. But if you're around someone you trust, their guard is down and they're just going to let it fly. Yeah, And so I noticed that 
Mm-hmm. The, the more the more you trust someone and the more they trust you, the louder they get, the more fun they have uh, because they know there's no judgment involved. It's yeah. because we're connecting on a personal level. So like our my friend group with, with my wife and I, I mean, it's it, it is probably 30 and below. Yeah. 30 people are in my circle. Yeah. Um, I got yeah. my brother, my best friend. I've got my parents, some some of her siblings. And then some really close family friends that our kids share interests in that I've known for an insanely long time. Yeah. Isn't and that I, interesting too? Cause I just feel like for the longest time in business and, and for whatever reason, I'm a nice person. Right. And so I don't like to offend anyone. In fact, any type of confrontation terrifies me. It always has. I, I just, I can't stand it. I don't like to confront people. Uh, again, it helps getting older. That kind of gets removed, you know, going through tough times, obviously business that helps remove it. But yeah, I mean, to your point about laughing the hardest with people that you love and trust the most, it's, you know, the, the opposite is also true where you just, there's certain people in business that it feels like you're always having to walk on eggshells with, and you're always yeah. having to like yeah. prop them up and make them feel good. And for whatever reason, you know, for a long time in business, I was always just, you know, doing that. And, and it was like, I, I felt like I couldn't be myself or just say what was on my mind. Um, and so how refreshing is it? Yeah. When that circle gets real small after you go through a famine and you realize, oh, you know, I had a pretty big circle there for a long time. All of a sudden that that went down significantly, like, you know, 90 percent almost. It's, it feels like sometimes because, yeah. you know, you're just in that survival mode. Um, and so that's so interesting. So I would love to actually. OK, so your journey and what you're doing right now is obviously different than what got you you know, to this point before. So would love to hear about, um, yeah, what you went through with yeah. the downturn and how how you pivoted, what you did. All that I would love to cool. learn the details. On so that. I'll give you a, I'll give you the real estate journey, and then that kind of morphed into some business, the business side of things. So, cool. In two thousand nine, whenever the crash happened, mm-hmm. um, that's when um, my brother and I really went in both feet into real estate, and and we started buying up houses and we were renting them out. You know, before that, I had done some real estate, but like I said, it wasn't, I've been in it 20 years, but not the level that I'm at. When anybody just kind of starts, they're they're, they're dabbling in it. So a a property here, some land there, a trailer here, a deal there, wherever you can find it to try to make money. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't until the crash that that we started getting insanely aggressive about about buying. We were probably sending, and, and back then it was cherry. All the deals were on the MLS. <clears throat> Wholesalers were making $2,500 as a wholesale fee. Like that was their fee. <clears throat> Anybody making more than that was greedy and nobody wanted to talk to them. Yep. So let's go back. That was 14 years ago. Yeah. So for 2009 to 2011, we were buying. In my mind, it was a lot of real estate, but right now it was not a lot of real estate. If I had my head on right, I would have gone and got private capital and bought a bazillion of them houses for pennies on a dollar. Pennies. I'm talking five grand for a house today. It's worth two fifty. Yeah. Um, it was insane. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of people say that, and a lot of people know that now. So that will never happen again. Yeah. In my lifetime, we're not going to have that crash. Um, Agreed. I, 
we are going to go through some corrections, mm -hmm. but that market, that kind of buying frenzy will never happen again. Um, cause it wiped out too much. Anyways, I'm kind of getting off, off topic here. So that's what I did. So, so I, we were, we were buying, fixing and flipping. We, we really cut our teeth, or not flipping, excuse me. Uh, we were buying, fixing and renting. Mm -hmm. We didn't know about the burst strategy. We didn't know all these creative ways. So we were using our cash and, and oh, doing okay. this. Yeah. Um, in 2014 and 15, we were like, oh my gosh, these, the, the, the real estate doubled, man. We got to sell. So we sold off that portfolio and then it, and then it tripled. Um, so we left an insane amount of money on the table, but at the time we, we thought it was good money, yep. but I reinvested that my brother went and did some other things. So that's kind of when we, we parted ways, he went and ran the company, the, 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 uh, uh, family business. And <clears throat> I was still part of that, but I was, uh, really into, into my real estate game. So, so now it was just Blair and me at the time. So this was not a big company. This was an LLC with a lot of hustle and blood, sweat, and tears. It's where I learned to lay flooring and sheetrock and paint and tile and, and, and all the different things. What a sill plate was, what an HVAC was, what a water heater was, all these different things, all this knowledge um, rehabbing, you know, all those homes. That's the knowledge that I, I have today. And so, um, you know, I can just look at things now. I can do my own home inspections and all that stuff because I know what I'm looking for. Um, and so right around 2018 is where we really started cranking things up. Blair and I were probably buying about five to six houses a year. Mm -hmm. And for, for us at the time, just me and her, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. Then a friend of mine, um, Jason Palliser, uh, still a good buddy to this day, he... Um, He's like, man, you know, like, you know, he sat me down and we talked about off market lead strategies and how, how to really grow that business and that side of that marketing engine. And so I did. And now I started getting all these extra leads and I didn't know what to do with them really. So, so I started wholesaling those off. So as I'm cutting my teeth, uh, you know, building up my, my portfolio of, of rentals, um, in 2020, uh, <clears throat> something interesting happened. We bought our, yeah. our two, 2019, we bought our first Airbnb property in Florida. Um, and at the same time, we started really our wholesale business. I'm kind of getting these dates a little mangled in my head, but no, no, no. Um, what I'm trying to get at is here, there was one January, and I think it was 2020, where we wholesaled and made $225,000. And for Blair and I, that was like, holy shit. I mean, it was an insane amount of money. Mm -hmm. And it still is to this day. I still think that that's a lot of money. Uh, yep. And so what did I do? I did the dumbest thing you could possibly think of. I, I hired all these people and I'm like, we're going to take this motherfucker to the moon. We're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And dude, I just hired the, the, uh, everybody I hired was wrong. There was one person that's still with us today. Um, I, I hired some lazy, ambitious people. Mm -hmm. uh, I hired some unqualified people. <clears throat> and we never did $225,000 again in a month. Wow. Never hit that again. And mind you, that was one month with no expenses. Blair and I, that's it. And so <clears throat> as that struggle was going on, um, 
it turned into almost like a, a, a perfect storm because we then got this hedge fund that was buying our houses. And so instead of wholesaling them, what we would do is buy the, buy the houses, mm-hmm. um, renovate them because we had to own them for 45 days before they could take possession. Mm-hmm. So we would get under contract, buy the house, renovate the house, and then sell it to them. And it was going like clockwork. Well, then last year, the rates changed um, and they just kept trickling up. And I should have seen the writing on the wall middle of last year, early to mid last year, when um, they pulled a couple contracts and then retraded on a couple. Mm. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. We can weather this. Let's just keep going. Should have been the, should have been the writing on, my, on the wall. Then come August, they pulled all the contracts. So I was stuck with 42 houses, 42 that I was renovating, 42 house payments, 42 insurance payments, 42 electric bills, 42 of everything. Mm. So it was probably the, the most stressful time of my entire life as a man. Uh, my confidence was shaken. Uh, my judgment was, was you know, um, was shaken everything about you know what i had learned and done and everything like that had been shaken so all that money that we had made was to pay for all these people and pay for the business and the marketing and all this stuff meanwhile i signed some shitty marketing contracts with some marketing agencies that totally raked me over the coals um those are just contract whores by the way i absolutely hate marketing companies i'll never sign a deal with one ever again as long as i live um they just they're, they're contract horse, period. That's yeah. another topic. But we did win our lawsuit, by the way. Oh, um, good. Because their attorney did not show up to court. Oh, wow. I guess I was the only one that ever challenged them. Wow. Uh, and they didn't show up, and we won the lawsuit. So, Wow. So that was good news about a month ago. What was but, your um, marketing expense during that time when you had those 42 homes? Like, what was your total, uh, I guess, expense? We were spending probably about 175 a month. Okay. 175 to 200K a month. Um, that's why I said we never made that kind of net profit again. We hit that one month of 225 and I should have just shoved it all in a fucking in two or three houses and just kept doing my own little thing. But I yeah. figured that if somebody, if I can do 225 on my own, oh my gosh, if I hire all these people and do this team, we can do five, six, 700. And then yep. stupid me, yeah, like no one's, no one's going to work as hard as I am. Nobody's going to have the knowledge I have unless, yeah. and maybe it's just me. I'm not a big I'm not huge on building all these policies and procedures and all this stuff. And then relying on all these other people to have the ambition and the, the, the work ethic and everything that I do, it became a massive struggle. Yeah. Um, so I got out of that. I weathered the storm. I paid all my, I didn't miss a bill. I may have been late on some here or there. Um, wow. we, we, we converted some to long-term rentals. We converted some to short-term rentals. I fire sailed a few, I wholesaled a few, and I flipped a few. Wow. I just, I mapped it all out on those massive uh, post-it sheets that you can get at uh, yep. Office Max, and I had them all littered in my office here. Yeah. And and we uh, we grinded, and it was, you know, 30 hours a day I was fucking working, and you had no choice. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, contractors were stealing from me last year. 
Um, it was, it was, it was. When it rains, it pours. I don't know what that principle is. It, it's true, man. And, and I was the cloud. I was yeah. the cloud. I, I fucked it all up. And then that's yeah. the thing. You got to have personal ownership on this stuff. Sure. Yeah. Can I sit back and say it was someone else's fault? No, I hired those people. I signed those marketing contracts. Um, I picked that contractor and, and what's amazing is, is, is honestly, I think how God works and he has totally turned this around for me. He would not let me quit. My wife wouldn't let me quit. And every time I looked at my kids, like they wouldn't let me quit. They didn't need to say anything, but I knew that I wouldn't. <laughs> and so dude, we weathered it. And, and now, you know, we're like, I'm totally happy. We're, we're profitable. Blair's adding like nine Airbnbs this month. Um, she started short-term, she started short-term rental property management. Mm -hmm. So not only are she managing her own stuff, um, she's, uh, you know, other people, you know, cause of my social media and stuff, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, what little followers I have here in St. Louis, they see what I'm doing. And if they're interested in the game, then they'll, you know, reach out and, and Blair manages the assets. And so. Wow. You know, it's just how it all turns, dude. And, and now we're we have several Airbnbs, um, and it's a good little business, dude. And I'm I'm totally happy. And thank God I got hooked up with CG because you know some of the stuff that Jason and and Leon and Ren, um, yeah. you know, some of them dudes, dude that that I've learned so much from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and they were always ahead of the curve. And unfortunately, I was new to the mastermind group. Mm -hmm. um, I would have probably definitely halted on some of those decisions I had made. But but that's the point, dude. You live and learn. And so, yep. yeah, I took the story of how 42 properties were pulled out from underneath me. And, mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to call the bank and say, hey, dude, they're yours. No, man, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I still want to be in this business. Because I know the power of real estate and now I truly know. Yeah. So I'm done flipping. I'm done wholesaling. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we want to do now is grow our portfolio. Wow. And we're growing it with the cash flow that we make. So we can buy about a house a month, but I'm really only buying like one every three months. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to grow four or five houses a year. And I'm going to add those to our portfolio. Blair's going to add more than she manages. And, and if I continue that path for 20 years, it's probably a hundred million dollar portfolio. Like you don't, that's the thing about this game, dude, is that so many people get caught up on the, the new shiny ball, the new coach with the new thing and the new Instagram reel. And it's like, and if you're constantly sold on all that shit, I mean, it urges you to just sit back, take a fucking breath and relax. Yeah. Find one person that you mesh with, learn from them and slowly build your portfolio. Like you don't need to go out there and Cody Sperber or Pace Morby this shit. Like I get that those guys are the fucking goats of this business. And you know, Cody's wholesaling a million dollars a month and Pace has got all these sub two deals and all this stuff. I, I get it. Kudos to them. He built an amazing marketing machine. Where he's yep. got students bringing him deals, yeah. But you know, for those people that are interested in getting in this business, no matter what shape, way, or form, first you have to understand it is a business. Second, you have to understand is that 
I need, I want you to figure out how to acquire the asset and get somebody else to pay for it while you own it. Man. So if you could follow those simple things, you know, you're, you're going to do just fine. And whether that exit strategy for the income side is Airbnb or long-term tenant, mm -hmm. I don't care what you choose. I hate long-term tenants because I don't want to rehab my houses every three to four years. Yeah. Dude, I've evicted people and then the fucking house needs to be rehabbed. I rehabbed it a year ago. Why do I got to rehab it again? Because yeah. I because we picked a bad tenant. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Airbnb is all sunshine and rainbows, but you know, yeah. Washing machine goes out was recent. Uh, some smoked some weed in the house that was recent. Um, we had some unapproved guests like. Mm -hmm. But doesn't I'm matter. Sorry. Yeah, what business model you're in, right? There are going to be issues, but there's going to be challenges in everything that you do. There is. It's all just how you approach it. And for me, I like Airbnb because the cash flow is four times as much yeah. <clears throat> as a long-term tenant. Yep. Yep. And it, you know, it works for you guys. Man, there are so many. I, I, I hope that people can just honestly like rewind, re-listen to all those nuggets that are in your journey right there. Because, I mean, to your point, like, like we were talking about like, hey, when we were your age, right? When we back in the day, 2008, um, there were... There, there wasn't podcast. There wasn't masterminds. There was TV. We had yes, TV, right? Yeah, we had like I mean, yeah, uh, cable television. Maybe is all we have. But like, it's 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 so crazy because now people can learn from what you had to go through. But it's funny because even though you know we can hear these stories, we still need to go through them, and we still yeah. need to go stumble through all of those things on our own. Like even if I'm with you, Leon and and uh, Jason, those guys at Collective Genius, they were telling us for two solid years when the, when the economy was on fire to always have some reserves, take some chips off the table, don't go yeah. all in, don't spend all this money on marketing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Scaling, scaling is a vanity metric, right? And, and don't get caught up in comparing. They would say that every quarter. And how many of us actually listened to what they were telling us? Um, I bet yeah. you it's less than 1%. I, I, you know, I, I, I do know some guys that listened. Um, and I know some yeah. guys that didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I was one of those guys that obviously wasn't there to listen because I'm only one year in CG. Yeah. Um, oh, you're only one year? I thought you had been in for a couple of years. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, one, one buddy, um, he listened. Uh, and, and he, he timed it right, you know, and, um, good for him. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. that was Rob. <laughs> he was really, yeah. Oh dude. man. Good for him. Cause I know. you know, I was like, what do these guys know? They don't know our market. Our market's different. Oh man. You know? <laughs> and, and I, I just, I find it so interesting because everything that you need to know about real estate, it's out there. Go yeah. get it. You can get it on social media. You can get it on YouTube, all that stuff. But there's one thing that you cannot get. And that is the failures of those people. They're not going to put them out there. Um, I failed at this. I failed at this. I failed at this. They're not going to do that. Yeah. They're just going to try to sell you their products and sell you their services. So uh, Noah, who is one of the th one of the great things that came out of that catastrophic mess, the box of bowl of spaghetti, last couple of years. Noah is just he's a twenty three year old genius, and so we started and actually made him a partner 
because he is someone that starved with me. Mm. Uh, I made him a partner in STR Accelerator Academy. So we started a coaching company and, you know, we're not geniuses at the whole marketing game and how to get the new students and all of that. But the students that we do have are highly successful and we have a very, very good batting average with them because we're, we're doing a one-on-one -on -one coaching approach. We're holding their hand through this whole process of Airbnb. Um, and so we, we, you know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing how that has shaped up. We're not doing a, a bazillion students. We're doing 20 students a month, man. I mean, it's not, I don't need to do a ton of that. I just want to make sure that the quality is there and we're actually changing people's lives. Because me, I believe that if somebody were to get in real estate and get it, get in it the right way for the right reasons with the right people, mm -hmm. you can really change your financial future. Yeah. And if you stay away from the shiny balls, if you would just buy one house a year, like mm -hmm. say you're, say you got mom and dad, husband and wife, three kids, they're working full-time jobs, 40 hours a week. If they would just figure out how to buy one house a year for 20 years, it's 20 houses. That's probably a five to $8 million retirement bucket when they're done or when they're, you know, retiring. And I've seen it in my portfolio. Mm -hmm. So what we do now is, um, I really wish I could pull my portfolio up and show you, but I'll try to give you the, the nuts and bolts of it. Every time it gets to 52.5% LTV, yeah. it triggers a refi. Mm. So, <clears throat> and then we refi up to 75%. Don't ask me why 15.52.5. That's just the friggin' number we chose when we were doing our math. Yeah, there you go. So, but then we refi up to 75. Mm -hmm. We take all that cash out. Again, it's a non-taxable event. So the last one we did, was this year, it was like 1.8 million. We took that cash out. I took half of it and I did what Jason told me to do. I put it in a CD, I'm not touching it. I take the other half and we're buying real estate. And so now the next time it, that happens, when it gets to 52.5% LTV, we're gonna do it again. And my, the math shows that It'll happen about every three and a half to four years, depending on a market correction, because inflation and appreciation are going to do the thing. Mm -hmm. Everything I buy is on a 20 year note. So a little bit less cash flow, but we're paying principal down more mm -hmm. um, because I don't like 30 years because it's so hard to pay any principal down on those. Yeah. So it takes longer to get to that spread of equity. Mm -hmm. So we get to 52.5. Again, it's projected in like three and a half to four years. At that point in time, it's probably going to be about six million we pull out. Do the same thing. I'll take three. I'll put it in a bucket. Take three and I'll go buy more real estate. Where I'm getting at is I'm 40. By the time I'm 65, it'll be a $120 million portfolio of just single family houses. They're all going to be legacy houses. I'm never going to sell any. I, I may retrade some. Like we're just going through a retrading cycle right now where I'm getting rid of five mm -hmm. that I don't consider them flips. I consider them, I don't want to be in those markets anymore. Two are in Illinois, mm -hmm. two are in an area I don't really like. So I'm trading those for better assets. Yeah. Yep. I don't want the, I don't want the areas where 
I have to worry about driving down the street. I don't want the areas where the taxes are too high or the house is in poor condition. So we're looking for assets that are strong foundations, good sticks and bricks, Mm -hmm. and that are going to last the next 40 to 50 years without any major complications. And so I just analyzed the whole portfolio because that's what Jason told me to do. He's like, dude, look at everything. No, label it one to all the way down Mm -hmm. and get rid of the bottom five. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yes, sir. So (laughs) um, we're we're getting rid of the bottom five. I'm negotiating with my tenants right now on a couple of them. Another, you know, a little golden nugget. I've got tenant, I've got five, four tenants. One house is vacant. Four houses. The leases are up next year, but I want to sell them now because the market is still stupid hot. Mm hmm. I'm offering them two grand cash plus free September plus their security deposit. Hmm. So it's in the world of like five to six thousand dollars that they will get if they get out of my house by October 1st. Hmm. Probably, hopefully, two or three take me up on it. Yeah. And I will let you know if they do. But if if they do, I, I give them the cash, I get my house back. Normally they don't damage it on the way out because they need their, they need all that money. I mean, that's one of the contingencies. It's better than going through the eviction phase because one in five is surely not going to leave and I'm going to have to evict them. Mm-hmm. That takes three to six months to get them out. And it takes about two to four grand to do it. Plus yeah. my interest, plus the taxes, plus the insurance and all that stuff. So uh, I, we, we cash wow. for keys. It's got a million names, whatever. I've done it in the past. But I want them out now because a house in the similar area got like 12 offers on it. And I have another one that looks just like it. So I'm just taking a little bit of that money that I know I'm going to get over asking and giving it to the tenant so they get out so I can get rid of the asset. Put the capital in the bank and retrade up and, and do our thing. So I know there was a lot to digest wow. there. There is a lot to digest there. And, and again, guys, you're just listening to a, a sage, right? Like this is someone that's been through it. He's seen all the mistakes. He's been through them. And these are all the things that he's learned. And I love like what you're sharing is the Millionaire Next Door book. This is what they look like, right? Yeah. Um, they don't have flashy clothes and nice suits and they don't drive these fancy cars. Nope. They're a lot like Matt. They're the Airbnb beast, right? So, I said, dude, I'm pretty sure I bought this shirt five years ago and a friend wow. gave me this hat. So, yeah, dude. That's nice. what they look like, right? And, and the more, yeah, the older you get, the more you realize that the guys with the money and the gals, obviously, those with the money, uh, you'll never know. Um, and that's what oh, I love about Millionaire Next Door is you're just like, man, they could be right next door. You know, and, um, and, and we know it because we, you know, we'll do some financing with some of these guys and we'll say, hey, you know, what do you think? And they're like, well, I got, I don't know, a couple of million sitting around. You're like, you what? Like, you're a, you're a fireman or you're a, you know, uh, um, how on earth? I, I love that. I love that, that book, that saying. And, and, it, yeah. and it does get so much criticism mm-hmm. by a lot of people, but they want you to buy their products. Right. I always think, I always think that there's someone else, someone else, there's, there's always a motive behind someone going against the grain about true financial advice that's worked for a long time. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if you look at the person with the fanciest car, the fanciest house, the fanciest get up, what's in their bank account is not what you think. 
And you think because they got the the new the new uh, whatever Ferrari or mm-hmm. whatever the Corvette, like they, did they finance it? Yep. Did they finance a four hundred thousand dollar car? Yep. Um, when I know guys millionaires that seriously look like they rolled out of bed sometimes. Yeah. Um, two of them are 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 good friends of mine. One mm-hmm. is my business mentor that didn't charge me a penny but he made me work for it. Yeah. Um, the dude, he, he's not in the three comma club, but he blew past two commas a long time ago. And this dude, um, you, you wouldn't know it. He drives a red fucking Ford pickup truck. It's yep. probably five years old. And uh, he dresses in jeans and a polo to work every day. That's it. Man, um, I love that. I mean, it's but, like you want to be like the Warren Buffett, right? Where yeah. I always think about him. And, and I, you know, it's funny. I read his book and he was like, look, you know, if the market's doing really – he he goes to McDonald's every day, by the way. I know. I saw that too. So he's like, look, if the market's doing really well, I'll buy two and splurge, right? But if it's not, <laughs> I'll have to just stick with one, right? And you're like, okay, you're worth, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, you're saying things like that. And it, and it but it does. It puts in perspective. He lives in the same home in Nebraska that he's lived in for 40 years. And uh, he just doesn't care, you know? He just, but he understands compound interest, which I think is what you hit on more oh, than anything. 100%. I'm taking compound i'm taking what and 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 people i've gotten asked this a couple of times um well why are you taking why are you refinancing them Mm -hmm. um and why don't you just pay them off because i I, so what i did was i did both spreadsheets Hmm. i did what happens if i just run it run them till they're debt free the dave ramsey route so i run them till they're debt free and it's about a 45 million dollar portfolio if I with a forty five net net worth, not yeah. like what the what it, right. what the assets are worth. So this yep. is net worth um, at, at my sixty five years, my twenty five years from now, my mm-hmm. retirement. Uh, well, it's that why sixty five. I, I had to put a number on there. I don't know. What do you want me to put eighty? Yeah. Um, then I ran it, doing it my way, pulling out the cash, reinvesting, pulling out the cash, reinvesting, et cetera, et cetera, and it's. It's five X or no, excuse me. It's three X mm. close to three X about two, 2.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cash flow is substantially more. Yeah. So that is just on the equity. Yeah. That's not on the cash flow. Mm-hmm. So the cash flow is in the seven figures. Um, and so why would I, the point is that you always need leverage. That's the point of this game of real estate. Thank you. Yep. That's one of the pillars of real estate. There's four pillars. One of them is leverage. Use it. Uh, you know, you can't do that in the stock market. You what are your four pillars? Let me let me try to guess them. Cash flow, yeah. depreciation. No? Yep. Yeah. Yep. No appreciation and, and leverage. That's it. Wow. So, yeah, we speak the same language, dude. I know. I'm telling you, I can almost finish your sentences and vice versa, which is what yeah. I love about these. When you get the the right yeah. people on, you're like, man, I could talk all day. Like this is just, you know, 100 preaching to the choir. But obviously, you know, we got to end it here. Um, but I do want to ask. I like to, you know, finish up by asking, a, you know, a couple questions. Sure, fire away. Um, so the first is going to be: uh, Is there like a book or podcast that you've read recently that that's uh, had an impact on you? So uh, I, I'm guilty. I have not read a book in a while. 
Um, but my favorite book, um, everybody's got to say the Holy Bible. That's a God fearing man. I only read that thing when I'm in church, but my favorite book that I would, would, would offer someone to read is obsessed by Grant Cardone. Oh, okay. Okay. Grant Cardone is one of my real estate mentors that I kind of look up to. I think a lot of people do because yeah. he's way up on the big boy level. Yep. And w- listening and watching his um, not content, yep. don't and don't um, people watching this don't mistake a forty-five second or one minute short or real mm-hmm. for a forty-five minute long video. He I don't know if he still does this. But several years ago, he was doing a one-hour Cardone Capital. He was breaking numbers down. People would call in. They would go over the deals. He would go over the deals, and he'd run his numbers, and he would would share it. And so Mm. that's when it triggered with me to run my numbers. It's probably where I got the 52.5% to run the numbers this way and put them in with the power of leverage. Now his triggers at 67.5% to refi. Okay. So that's what I would encourage someone to do is to read that book. It's obsessed. Uh, I'm going to grab it quickly. I got it on the shelf up there, but, um, I probably read I've read that one. Yeah. I probably read it, lent it to someone that did not return it. Um, <laughs> That was a good. That was a good business book. And then the, the last fun book I read was Dethroning the King. Uh, it was the, our Anheuser Busch story. So oh, I'm, a cool. St. I'm a St. Louis guy, and so our brewery yeah. got taken from us by InBev a long time ago. So that yeah. was a, it's a good story. But oh man, that's cool. Right on. Um, podcast man, I don't. I don't really listen to too much. Yeah, uh, I listen to anything around Airbnb just because I want to be present. Yeah. Um, with with the new stuff and new what's coming. Um I actually have some stuff on my Facebook group page yeah. that we've done around that topic. So if anybody's mm-hmm. interested in that, go in there and Yes. And I, at the end of the show, I'm gonna definitely put the link on there. And I would I mean, I don't think I need to you know uh, encourage anyone to do it that's interested in Airbnbs to look into it. Um I think after listening to this, like it's pretty evident that um if you want to scale and scale quickly and not scale the wrong way, right? Like do it in the right way, consistent, boring, you know, all yeah. that, like definitely yeah. reach out, you know, to Matt and his team. And I'm sure that he can obviously point in the right direction. So we'll we'll put that in the notes. Um, but yeah, the, the second question I like to ask is, okay, if you're able to go back 2009, you know, knowing what you know now, like what's, what's maybe one or two things that you would have done different now that you've gone through all of this and you get to start all over knowing what you know, dude, I have, um, (laughs) as corny as it sounds, let me try to find it here. Um, journal. I've no, I've got a business plan. If it ever does happen again. Wow. So. Exactly, I love that. Exactly what I will do if that kind of crash ever happens. It's at my fingertips. I've reread it. I've added to it. I've, I've put notes in it. It's all digital now. That was back in the. Where did you yeah. have you published it somewhere? Or oh god, no! This is this this is my shit, bro. Yeah, <laughs> for you. Yeah, um, I, I will happily share it with CG. Yeah, but in that event, in mm-hmm. the perfect storm, yeah. and that's what a lot of people forget. When they thought we were going to hit this crash in 2018, they thought 
real estate was going to crash. Yeah. 19 was going to crash. 2020 and 21 and three. And, and, and yeah. now it's 2023. Interest rates are 800%. And it, I got 12 well, offers. Going up. Out. Yeah. Still going up. Yeah. Um, so the perfect storm mm-hmm. was the financial stock market, real estate, and auto. Yeah. High unemployment, gas crazy high. Mm-hmm. So much happened. People were ridiculously broke. Middle class was broke. Rich people were broke. Um, real estate investors went bust. They had a portfolio worth $100 million. It went to $20 million. All those sorts of things. Overleveraged. You could get 110% loan. Like, how, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah. All those sorts of things. So if that ever does happen again, obviously the first thing's first. You got to take care of home base. Yep. And make sure you can survive and weather that. So, so I'm now I'm not planning for that, but I'm I'm always thinking that that could happen. That that drawer needs to open, and I have to grab that document. Yep. Um, but as far as how I would invest, because it's twofold. It's first take care of home, make sure you're good. You're not nothing's gonna bad happen there. You got money in the bank. You got your reserves. You got you got nine months of uh, expenses to live in case you didn't have a dime left coming in. Um, but then how, how would you invest and how would you just destroy everything? Well, if it did happen the way that it, it did then or in a very similar fashion, I don't think it would be the same way because when all those foreclosures hit, the hedge funds also took a bust. So they didn't have any buyers for all these properties. So they went to the general public. They found agents that put them on the MLS and you could type in on the MLS bank owned and you'd have 5,000 in your market that you could just cherry pick from. Mm-hmm. But if the market drops 80%, like you're going to have certain investors that are going to go into a massive buying frenzy. Mm-hmm. So what I will do is I want to partner with people like BJ, Ren, Jason, Rob. I'm naming all my CG buddies here yep. and we're going to pull our resources together and we're going to attack this battle plan. We're going to, all right, guys, how much, money financing capital can you commit to this pool and this is the plan we're going to buy good houses with good sticks and bricks starting with the foundation on up we're not going to buy them in uh, stupid dumb areas we're going to buy them in areas where i know that the market is going to appreciate over a five-year period we're not going to get into any rehab that's going to take us longer than three weeks to a month we're going to renovate it we're going to get somebody in there they're going to pay the mortgage and we have to ride this thing out for five five years. And then at the end of five years, we'll have a judgment if we want to go and then we'll extend it one year at a time. And then that one portfolio could be worth over a billion, depending on how many, how much money, how much resources. Because it, it cannot come from Wall Street and the banks, because those are the people that crashed it last time. So they were dead broke. Mm-hmm. So it's gotta come from people like us that are smart and have been in this game long enough to know. Because no one's going to lend you on your real estate that you already have. Mm-hmm. So this, like, say if, I, I, if my shit goes down to 52.5%, well, a lender's not going to lend me any money because the market's coming down. So they're going to be nervous as shit. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to pull your resources. And so, like, I'll do that. I'll pull the resources together, the people that I know. I'll lay out the plan. This is what we're going to do. If we can buy 2,000 houses, 5,000 houses, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to pay cash for every single one of them. If we can get lending on them, 
we will probably still be able to get 50 to 60% lending on them. And we'll do that to leverage them. If not, we're just going to burr right through it. And I'll quit everything else I'm doing. And that is all I will focus on is building that portfolio. And then we'll plan for an exit. And, and who knows? So, Okay, that is the best answer that I've heard by far. Uh, and clearly you have uh, <laughs> practiced that. You've thought a lot about it. Uh, and so you came ready. Man, you would have thought that I prepped you uh, beforehand for that no. question. That Gotta have a battle plan, right? dude. You were Gotta ready. have a battle plan. If the house is burning down, what are you doing? That's something that I learned a long time ago. So a, a good buddy of mine, his business out in Warrenton burned to the ground. Mm. And you know what he had? Hmm. Straight face. We got a battle plan. Let's go to work. Had their mobile offices set up in two hours. Whole business burned down. 400 employees. Nobody died. Nothing like that happened in the middle of the night. A $9 surge protector burned down the business. Wow. Um, two hours later, as the motherfucker's on fire, mobile office is set up. He put one person in charge of media. Another person in charge. I mean, they just went right down the line, dude. And I, by the end of the night, nothing missed a beat. And I'm like, my jaw was on the ground. Yeah, sure. And this is my business mentor. And he won't let me name his name ever. Yeah. Um, but he's like, Matt, you have to have a battle plan for everything. Every scenario, life is a chessboard. So if your queen gets taken or you lose a rook or the board catches on fire in that case, you got to have a plan for it. So in my spare time, I work on battle plans for finances. And so like last year, like I now have a battle plan in keeping myself disciplined. I'm never letting that happen again. Yeah. So now I have an, you know, a, a much better handle on certain things. But I'm still going to make mistakes, dude. Like yeah. – we're still going to fail. And if you're not failing forward, mm -hmm. if you fail and then you, you're just like, okay, I'm never doing real estate again. Well, that's, that's dumb. There's a million ways to do real estate. Yeah. Maybe you failed as an agent. Yeah. You been right. a Maybe you failed as a mortgage broker and you should have been a contractor. Mm -hmm. Maybe you failed as a contractor, but you should have been an investor. I don't know what it is, but at the end of the day, no one's perfect, dude. We're all, we're all sinners. We're all, you know, creatures here just trying to figure this, <laughs> figure this game out. So, yeah. Holy smokes. This was good. This was, you brought all the heat. Um, cannot thank you enough. I learned so much just listening to you. In fact, I got a lot to work on after listening <laughs> to you while like hanging out with yeah, high level dude. players that, you know, uh, are just masters of their craft and they're always trying to get better. Um, and I love that. So Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. Right on dude. Thanks BJ. Appreciate you. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I hope you feel more inspired to push through your short-term failures as you work on becoming a true powerhouse. If you enjoyed listening to the show and feel others would benefit from listening as well, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show and make sure to share the link with others. See you next week.